everybody, this is Brandon Ellis, the host of Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with Beth Elliott. Beth, how are you? I'm doing great today, Brandon. It's December. We're getting into the Christmas and New Year's holidays, right. but there's no time to yap, so let's get right into it. That's right. <laughs> so tell us what we got today. It's a special day today. It is. Today's podcast is named Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to... Be unpredictable. We'll be talking about predictive maintenance, and we have a special guest. It's quite fitting because this is episode number seven. We have with us today Carrie Donovan, and Carrie is the owner of Pathway 7. Carrie, can you tell us a little bit about Pathway 7? Sure. Hi, everyone. Pathway 7 is an information systems consulting and contract firm that we started to serve SMEs, uh, small and mid-sized enterprises, and our specialty is seeking practical solutions for not just manufacturers, but the supply and sales channels that support them. So what prompted you to get started in this business, Carrie? Well, I was... I was raised in San Diego, but it was by a bunch of Midwesterners who grew up in southern Chicago in Oak Lawn. Shout out to the Wideners and Donovans. Um, <laughs> so I grew up idolizing some of the elders in my family for being builders and being in manufacturing, whether it was in industrial sales or otherwise. And so that's why I kind of sought out after I studied business and information systems when I was in college. And after about 10 years in motion control, I started my own web store to help manufacturers replace obsolete parts. What What's the name of that web store, Carrie? That is about to change, but it's motadistribution.com. Okay. And so during that time, one of the product lines made a claim that they could prepare data for databases with one of the modules they had for what's called a PAC or a PAC for programmable automation controllers. And <laughs> that didn't... That didn't set well with me, and I have I have a terrible personality flaw that uh, once I hear something can't be done or I get curious about something that people don't have an answer for, I must do it. And that, to make a long story short, is about when I met Brandon in his horse trailer. His horse trailer? <laughs> <laughs> It was a racing, a race car trailer. That apparently, you had never been around the race circuit, but you're not a Southern oh, guy. So. Well, to, to a guy who grew up in San Diego, it was a horse trailer. Mm. And so, uh, <laughs> and the only way I really ever have of describing my first impression of Brandon is, you know, walking into that trailer after nobody could answer that claim, uh, you know, we were at this distribution conference for this manufacturer, and they all said, Brandon Ellis, when I asked who knows about this module and this technology, and he, of course, wasn't in the meeting. He was outside actually tinkering, and, and the, only, the only way to paint the impression of that first impression is, you know, imagining opening the curtain on the Wizard of Oz with everything moving around him with the actuators and... And that's when Brandon and I started talking about how PLC 
data can be prepared and transported and exchanged with databases. And that led me down a road to expanding my web store for just replacement parts to creating a kit that will help people replace the parts before they fail using this data exchange. You know, let me expand on that a little bit. It wasn't a horse trailer. Uh, it was a <laughs> racing trailer. What, what it was, was we, for that, for that conference, there was, it was a demonstration trailer. So we had a lot of things that we were demonstrating in that trailer. But one of the things that was featured was uh, an attempt to do data transfer. And Carrie, if I recall, that was probably 2011, 2012 or something that you and I met. Early, um, yeah. 11 almost sounds Yeah, I think that's right. late a little bit. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe it was earlier than that. So that's when I had first started getting into, you know, in 2009 when Elotech started, Beth, uh-huh. uh, I was writing stuff, but it was all on the operational technology, which is the plant floor side, between equipment there that was still desperate systems, but... Again, like a CNC machine or a robot that wouldn't wouldn't was not able to talk other than I/O to a PLC or a PC or something that's on the but but still on that solid side. We've talked about another podcast, the operational technology side or the plant floor. And so I was just getting into by the time Carrie and I met uh, how to get that information into the IT side. Okay, kind of crossing that gap or that uh, chasm, if you will. And so that's when Carrie and I met. And so, yeah, he kind of, the reason I was out there tinkering is because I was supposed to present this and there was a problem and I couldn't figure it out. And I was trying to figure it out. And so he found me doing my Wizard of Oz stuff. But anyway, okay. Well, that product, of course, had a terrible flaw in it and that it was... Uh, Didn't work. It was PC-based. <laughs> and so as, as Brandon uh, has heard, you know, I don't have Windows PCs in my house and... I, I've always been baffled about why anybody would put it next to their machine or the production, much less on the machine control. And so that module was had a fatal flaw in it. And, you know, that that instance developed into what Brandon and Elitech have developed and what we now use for our kit to take in sensor information and communicate it with computerized maintenance management systems. And to be sure, that module is not the IOTA or the data commander. That's what he's saying came of right. that, because uh, we were we were still trying to do a lot of stuff then, and still that was in the in the days of of SCADA systems and all the things you've heard me go on about mm-hmm. uh, that that were just the point of frustration. And Carrie was just as frustrated, and that's so when we met, we instantly connected because. You know, misery, both shared the same frustration. Misery likes misery likes company, and so yeah. uh, we, we were both pretty frustrated because he was getting asked. You know, out in, out in Western United States, he was getting asked for the same kind of things, and of course, you know, had folks had told him you just can't get there from here, and that's the determination that he he has. And then I had the same thing because, but my determination was more about we should be able to get there. I don't understand why this is such a hard thing. So that's where we kind of That's really what it was, right? That's what it was. It was such a tease because for me, it started with, well, you shouldn't be able to do that. Somebody's going to have to actually show that to me because I don't believe it. And then Brandon actually showed it to me. And then, you know, and so you get really excited about it. But it was was such an almost project, a product that it it was, it was awful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because... Because it was there, somebody, 
somebody had it but did it wrong they implemented it wrong and and so you know it's it, it was one of those things where like oh if somebody will just do it right we'd you know we'd really have something and we did it and, right. and, yeah and that's uh <laughs> you know and then we're we're big on actually seeing it and that's kind of what my white paper is that we're that i wrote is we you know we just don't talk about the theory of things we're going to talk about how to actually get it done and how the data actually moves so yeah that so the white paper and and that's a good segue so the reason uh they they First of all, let me say that Kerry Donovan is uh, a longtime friend and, and, and actually former business development manager for Elitech. But Kerry has uh, had developed or developed Pathway 7 and now is one of our premier partners, not just with this kit that we're going to be talking about, but also he's, he's our distribution arm for a large portion of the Western United States. And so it's certainly a pleasure to have you with us. And you've been with me like you just said since the beginning as far as this being a common goal for us and so this white paper uh, i'm privileged and honored to say that i'm mentioned in it uh, because it, i think you based it uh, based upon one of our past podcasts that uh, that you had listened to uh, that was called industrial automation it doesn't have to be myopic and beth came up with that word not me what's the name of the white paper three kpi considerations for maintenance and OEE. And so in that podcast, we I talked a bit, Beth and I discussed a lot about KPIs and OEE and OOE and TEEP and availability and quality and all these different things. And, and Carrie uh, in this paper has really expanded upon that nicely. And, a, and, and in my opinion, more, even more effectively because of your, Carrie, your focus on the maintenance, specifically the maintenance side. We've talked about operational technology. We've talked about the IT or the enterprise side, the information technology side, but there's this other maintenance side. And that's what I think that this paper really likes to, or really, really points out. You, you agree with that, Carrie? Yes. Yeah. With our customer base, with the parts, uh, we do, we do a lot surrounding the subject of maintenance concerns beyond just replacing parts. Because maintenance is is, is a very vital and an additional part of what I would call the, inter, the, the enterprise resource planning or the ERP system. Uh, so there are a lot of management, or I'm sorry, maintenance softwares, programs, things of that nature that are, and, and typically I think, Carrie, you, this is certainly, if, I'm, if, if you've got a comment, jump in, but my experience is most of those are PC-based, running in a PC-based or which is more IT-based environment, but they need information that's coming from OT. So again, we've talked more in the past, we've talked about getting information into uh, for IT and it's in the database and, and or the ERP system. And then we kind of stop our discussion. Carrie has carried it a step further to say there is a another software platform. And, and it's true for accounting and the others too. They have software platforms that the ERP system feeds data to. But how do you get that to the maintenance software when a maintenance software will not necessarily work directly with the ERP software. And so that's that's the gap he's bridging with this kit. And so 
Carrie, what I'd like to do is walk through. You've got you kind of got this broken down in your paper very well into into three kind of cat- categories, I guess, or three sections. Uh, I thought we would have Beth take us through each section. So uh, the first one is O E E O O E and TEEP rule operations. Do you want to expand on those, Carrie? What do those mean? Uh, sure. What, what what's O? Give 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 us the real quick. <laughs> Oh, the, this is quiz. So overall equipment <laughs> effectiveness. Good boy. And then you have overall operational effectiveness. Yes. And then you have total equipment effectiveness. And I always forget what the P is. Program? What is it? Process? I can't remember the P now. <laughs> you know what? In this white paper. So, okay. Let me just tell you a little feature about uh, our blog posts, we include glossary. So in our white paper, it's uh, total effective equipment performance. Performance, that's right. Yes. And yes, yes, yes. So what we like to do, what I like to do in my papers and my blog posts is we include glossary for all our short speak and acronyms so people can translate <laughs> what we're talking about. That's smart. <laughs> we have no shortage of acronyms no. in this, in this yeah. Yeah. industry. It's overwhelming. <laughs> So, so in that section, I, that's that's where I, I got mentioned in your your paper. So, thank you for that. I think, but you you were actually referring to a metaphor that I made during that podcast, and you referred it. I guess I had referred to it before to you as my Tennessee talk, but my metaphors, and because so, I use a lot of analogies and metaphors, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not, but usually they're interesting. And so, in this case, I had a metaphor about a refrigerator. What do you think? What 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 got you on the refrigerator, Carrie? Well, what what caught me about it first is I've been witness to many of your metaphors taking wide subjects and uh, uh, for all of the considerations of production and narrowing it down. And that refrigerator one caught my ear because of what's happening in terms of data exchange that that I've seen. So because industrial IoT has been so difficult to implement. You know, it's uh, people have, have, have started feeling the realities after the hype uh, now that they've embarked on their projects. And what I've seen is many requests from the IoT hype get narrowed down to just, can you tell me the machine is on or off or not? Right. Yep. <laughs> you're, you're exactly well, right. Yep. Now, in the, in the maintenance world, Maintenance has, you know, kind of a, has been disparaged, right? They're, they're only responsible for keeping the machine on or off. You know, and of course, there, we probably go into that later, but there's, there's kind of a built-in conflict organizationally between production and maintenance, kind of around, around that subject. Like, just keep the machine on. But what I liked about the metaphor was how, just on or off, doesn't really tell you anything relative to even say when do we want it on or off much less what is you know the performance or the quality relative to overall production and i have been at the time reading some articles as i like to do that included some critiques of the the mantra that what what gets measured gets managed and, and this is one of those mantras that marketers and middle manager type uh, 
you know, self-improvement books glom onto. And so right when you said that, <laughs> right when you said that metaphor, and we're making a critique of your own uh, about how just conceptually data needs to be looked at, I was in the middle of reading an academic paper criticizing not only the fact that you have to be careful about what you measure, but that the mantra that it came from wasn't even quoted correctly. The full quote was, what gets measured gets managed, hyphen, even when it's pointless to measure and manage it, and even if it harms the purpose of the organization to do so. That's right. That's and huge. So, That's huge. <laughs> yeah. And so it was very timely. Uh, you caught my ear. So, yes, I used, I used your Tennessee talk in my very academic <laughs> portrayal of data measurement and especially relative to what, uh, what is difficult and, and some barriers that maintenance departments that we hear from have, have, do struggle with to you know, prevent, present themselves in, you know, in a good light for the organization while they're doing what they're meant to do. Well, the, the analogy, and so, again, that was from the industrial automation. It doesn't have to be myopic session. And so I want to encourage anyone listening that if you didn't, haven't picked up on that one, to check it out. But the, the refrigerator metaphors was essentially, and, and, and we're, you care you've got it broken down in your paper, and so I'm just going to stick with that breakdown. But the ref- we were talking about a refrigerator and kind of dividing that up between if you're just monitoring off and on, which is what Carrie's making reference to, is is the machine running or not? So, and, and Carrie, you've pointed out that's availability, right? That's the availability of equipment. And so, is the refrigerator running? And then the point I made was that doesn't mean that there's food inside the refrigerator. It just means that it's not stopped and. Whether or not there's food inside would be, as Carrie has, has pointed out, performance. And then I said, it doesn't necessarily mean the food is good, which would be quality. And then finally, it just means that the refrigerator is running. So we could probably fairly assess that whatever's inside is cold, whether it's food or air. So it may be perfectly co- cold, but the food may be bad. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just derive that from the fact that it's just running or not running. You you have too many assumptions for it to be quality, what I call quality data. And you've heard me say, Carrie, many, many times, and Beth, I'm sure you as well, if you've got 10,000 data points and one data point is suspect, how much of the data is suspect? All of it, isn't it? <laughs> All of it. And, and, and there are some processes out there, granted, that you don't have to be that, that much Precise. of a... Precise? Yeah. Okay. But... And, and again, that comes down to uh, what we were discussing in that podcast. If it really is subjective, it comes down to the specific customer and what they're making and how they're going about it and that kind of stuff. But, Carrie, you point out that uh, – you just pointed out that, yeah, from a maintenance standpoint, you, you can't just necessarily look at one thing. You have to look at, at other the other data and so – and what those indicators are. And so I think that kind of leads us into the second section – of your paper, uh, how do uh, maintenance KPIs? How do they contribute to operational objectives, Carrie? Right. So, not only does one piece of data may it may corrupt the rest of your data, but the assumption is that we're acting on that data. Right. Oh, acting on the corrupted data, or all... A- any of the data. Okay. Okay. That... So, so, and in terms of in terms of 
OEE, which started your podcast, right? Is mm-hmm. that? Well, I'll, I'll wait for that. So the point is, is that that data is going to get acted on. And in the first section and, the, and that academic paper, it lines out what you have to be careful about acting on the acting on the data and whether it's if if you miss aim at just one piece of data or you use multiple pieces of data without weight you will you will have uh, contradictory goals between departments and even if you have all the multiple measurements if you don't have an overriding performance goal and the means to support that overriding performance goal you will still even end up with people kind of sabotaging the performance for their own gain. And so what a KPP is, are the parameters starting from the maintenance level from that department, which are the guidelines for the KPIs that are indicators that means will use to measure their performance that will feed up to the overall organizational goals and their KPIs. So the parameters, okay, so the KPIs, the key performance indicators, are the individual data streams we've got coming in. And we're going to assume we have more than just off and on. Is that fair in in your analogy? Mm -hmm. The key performance parameters are are taken into account, of, of course, when you if, if you do it, I think if, I think if I'm if if you and I are on the same page, and and from my line of thinking, the key performance parameters should be considered initially when determining what KPIs need to be need to exist. What data do we need to measure? What indicators do we need to stream in? But then once those parameters, once those KPIs are are in place, then the parameters decide how much you would rely upon, you know, how much how much weight, and uh, you said weight, I assume you mean W-E-I-G-H-T, weight, uh, how much, yes. uh, not delay, but how much weight or how much uh, of a priority you place and, and how so on each of those KPIs. And so I had an analogy about flying an airplane and how in, in the airplanes that aren't super digital nowadays. The six-pack. The six-pack okay. of, of instruments. And each instrument gives you viable data, but you have to look at that instrument for what it is. If you try to look at it for what it's not, then you crash to earth. The other thing is if you only have one, sometimes if you only have two or three, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to wreck. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're flying in the clouds, you can't see up from down or left or right or whatever. You're flying blind, you know, probably three. Can be okay. You'll survive. I don't think you'll land, but uh, unless you come out of the clouds. But nevertheless, you. The point being, you need multiples of those KPIs. But then you have to look at each one for what it's meant for, and emphasize that single thing, and 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 don't try to infer what another instrument is telling you from that instrument. You carry. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. The reference point is essential. For the indicators to mean anything and 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 that's the kpp correct yeah yeah and we go into the reasons why we have examples from old old studies of that were done of the soviet productions and why they went wrong you know whether it was from anything from ratcheting down performance so they didn't re-rate your performance goals 
to like you're saying if you just look at one uh, the plane might go down so in terms of production that would mean uh, i want to be a, a hero plant manager and i'm going to meet my production quantity but i i've taken all the work orders and that are nice and short and sweet and shoot through and ignored the profitable ones and so the overall performance of the company is subpar or maybe even fatal to the company's success mm, yeah. and what what's interesting is so what we provide and where i where i got the idea from about the parameters and the guidelines that maintenance departments can share about what they're measuring is from this maintenance audit maintenance audits handbook and what i really liked about it was it's a really extensive look at a very simple idea which is ask your workers their opinions and keep track of the surveys to then base your numerical indicators and your weights on your numbers for your composite analysis it's just simple you know keep track of the surveys and then this book kind of lays out how to go about it, which ones to measure, and all those things. But with the end goal of here is a complete reference point from not just from the math or for business intelligence, but from the workers themselves and what they're telling you is important to cons to consider when you're measuring any data. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so let me ask you this. In the, you you mentioned a you kind of summarized the maintenance audits handbook. Who who wrote that? Uday Kumar. Is that it's right? a it's a group. Yeah, it's it was oh. a group of engineers that took a lot of course materials and research and studies and put them all together basically for maintenance departments. So you mentioned that the book provides, and I like the way you said this in your in your in your paper, both indicators and reference measures identifying the user or the owner of each and and setting the basis for external or internal audits. And so you know when you hear audit. You think IRS and it sounds scary, you know, but audits in this case can be quality audits. They can be performance audits. They can be maintenance audits, you know, just uptime, downtime kind of audits. Those kind of things are really the provide the checks and balances that are needed to measure success. And so we never stop measuring. Uh, you can't stop measuring. And so I, I really like, Carrie, your point about the KPP, the key performance parameters, because you have to decide, and this is this this is what I was referring to when I said everything's subjective. Uh, every company has to first set back if they're going to do this right, and if you're making decisions off of this, you need to do it right. And as I've said in the past, Beth, there's no point in doing an IoT system if you're not going to make decisions based upon it. Good business decisions. Yeah, well, educated anyway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I guess it's still you can still look at the data and be in denial. And, uh, uh, but but nevertheless, so Carrie, as 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 we're kind of talking about these KPPs, as far as real time predictive maintenance, how does how do these KPPs and what KPIs come into play? Uh, if you were if you were talking to folks about how they're going to measure this stuff, how they're going to get the KPIs, that kind of thing, what what kind of things should they be looking for? Right. So it starts with a simple concept of a leading indicator versus a lagging indicator. So a leading indicator would be kind of identifying the work that needs to be done or planning and scheduling the work. And then how long does it take to execute that work? Now we're talking so about, build, I'm sorry to interject, but, but we're talking, yeah. when you say the work, you're talking about 
the maintenance, whatever the maintenance item maintenance. is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm coming from a maintenance perspective. Right? Okay, I'm with you. Go on. All right, and then um, you have uh, the lagging indicators, which are you know include the equipment effectiveness, the cost of what you did, and how effective that is, and how you're doing in terms of the overall safety and environment. So you have things like mean time between failure and OEE. How are we doing while we're doing the work we identified and planned? Mm-hmm. So did the this was the work we needed to do, and this is what we thought it would take, and then after the fact, the lagging is, did it work, basically? Right, right. So do you want to go into the third part? Yeah, let's take it in there. So we're going to talk about the symbiotic maintenance and production data for OEE. Do you want to go into that, Carrie? Yes, yeah. So with all of that said, ultimately, we're talking about maintenance operating in the overall production picture. Of course, OEE started this conversation back in your podcast. And so I, I use that as a reference point. And OEE is defined as availability by performance, by quality. And in terms of the organization, you could think of that, it commonly would be thought of as maintenance responsibility for availability by production responsibility for performance by production responsibility for quality. And of course, whenever you have interrelated responsibilities where you're being measured or your performance is being measured, there's a tendency to point fingers. Uh, who's responsible and for what? A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a tendency, you know, and then of course there's also a tendency for their efforts to conflict with each other. And so what I did in the paper was expand the idea of the, the theoretical refrigerator machine and ask some simple questions like, between maintenance and production, who is actually in charge of making sure the temperature is correctly measured? So you just take the simple, like, is it cold, right? You just take a, that basic statement that Brandon said. And then who determines what cold is and who's responsible for what it's supposed to be. The second, uh, uh, the second question I asked is, who determines something simple like the light going on and off in the machine when the door opens? Does it affect safety? Is it a critical maintenance issue? Of course, maintenance wants everything to work because that's how they get measured. And production wants the things that are critical to work so production gets done. Uh, and then you take something like the door being open and, and letting the cold air out and consuming energy. Who's responsible for making sure the door closed? And that and, and these kinds of things could go on and on and on. And so what I describe in terms of laying the groundwork for people to understand how to overcome this is an analogy that I read in a Re- reliable plant article. It was they shared the idea that maintenance, the relationship between maintenance and production is like the military and their civilian oversight where the military knows perfectly well how to do their job, but they're completely restrained by the rules of engagement of their civilian bosses. And that's that's kind of what maintenance, that's the maintenance world. Is there? Oh, so maintenance is like med- the military? <laughs> no, I'm just asking. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, you know, they can say. get pigeonholed into only good for one thing, which isn't necessarily true. Okay. But they also have performance measures that they're not necessarily in control of, which can be defeating. 
for oh, for people, sure. Right? So what, what we've headed down the road of developing in terms of empowering maintenance to do their job, but then also to contribute to the overall production picture is our predictive maintenance kit. Oh, can you tell us a little bit more about that predictive maintenance? Well, can you describe what predictive maintenance is first? And then that way we can lay the groundwork. Sure. So the idea behind predictive maintenance is that not only are you planning or servicing the equipment to kind of prevent failures, you are taking readings and leading indicators to get warning signals before anything fails. You're trying to create uh, a check engine light. Right. Oh. And the simple analogy for to to share it with any with any crowd with any background is everybody has it in their car. You get the check engine light before there's a catastrophic failure. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah, right. And, you know, just like your car, that check engine light could be a faulty sensor. May not even be something. So, you know, or it could be you saving your machine and uh, or your car. And so it's not, predictive maintenance can be overstated, I guess is my point. Predictive maintenance gives you the warning light. It doesn't necessarily tell you what's wrong. Now, our predictive maintenance kit is measuring vibration of moving parts, the temperature of moving parts, and the current of the moving parts. And and the reason for all those three is that when any of those go out of line with their thresholds, it usually relates to the mechanism or the bearing of that moving part not operating efficiently. Okay, so th- and so it's it's a warning. So the vibration, temperature, and current are the KPIs. Am I uh, understanding that correctly? Yes, they are. They would be um, because if you just look at temperature, it doesn't mean the bearings getting. Uh, going bad, it, it could mean that there's a heater on the the machine that's gone awry, that's setting next to you know the, oh. the 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 point of measurement. If you just look at vibration, it could mean that the machine, you know, the this this gearbox or bearing or something like that is is ready to you know fall apart, or they set a new twenty ton press. 10 feet away that came in yesterday and, and just struck its first lick. And it's shaking all the way to the front offices. And then current, of course, the current would have to do with motors and how much they're trying to, that's how much um, effort the motor is putting into. So each of those is a KPI. Each of those is an instrument, so to speak. Okay. And if you just look at vibration or you just look at current, I mean, the current you could see a current spike in a motor, but it might be that a, a, a cable has worn and frayed and it's it's shorting up against the machine frame and really have nothing to do to say that the motor is about to go bad oh, okay. or there's something going on in the gearbox. See, see that's why I would have said, I, the reason I hesitated is because I would have called that a measurement that feeds KPIs. Well, oh, like, okay. Okay. And, and, okay. And that's fair. That's a fair point, but that's a, that's a big point. So I want to elaborate on that a little bit. So KPIs are traditionally from a marketing standpoint, and I'm making that emphasis because I think, and Carrie, you've got a marketing background, as does Beth, so, so don't get up, upset. But I think that 
Do we ever, carry? <laughs> Key performance indicators. When you do all the math, as you said, you defined OEE, overall equipment effectiveness, as being a, an equation. And I'm an engineer and Carrie's not. And so he says, by, I say times. So the availability times the performance times quality. That's an equation equals OEE. And so... Once you know, you, I don't remember, but I think in my math class, time by, you're was right. referred as by. Not, not Tennessee talk. It's Tennessee talk. Um, <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> it's like you can use the X or the asterisk when you're trying to multiply. If you're Jethro from Beverly Hillbillies, it's Gazentas. <laughs> uh, but anyway, availability, availability Gazentas, uh, performance, Gazentas, quality. And that gives you <laughs> OEE. Um, each one of those is a measure, is a KPI, is a key performance indicator. But then I'm dividing it down even further. In order to get availability, to get performance, to get to quality, it comes into these, these sensor measurements. And so it's a data stream. And Carrie, you've heard me say this a million times. It doesn't matter what it is. I view everything as a data source. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a weigh scale or a current, uh, current transducer or a PLC with, you know, with, with information inside one of the registers. It's just a data source. And so I refer to each of those as an indicator on a very, granted, it's a very micro level, I guess it can be granular. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But to me, a vibration is a, is a, is something that's measurable. It's something that I can have on a, a dashboard, a visualized dashboard, or in a report to where I can take a vibration measurement or an average, probably with vibration, we would do an average, average temperatures, that kind of stuff. But also I can create with temperature, I can create and vibration. I can create a trend line. So I can, a trend line would be trending, meaning a more historical view. So an average temperature can mean that whatever the data source is, is averaging and then giving you the answer, or it's just giving you all the raw data and you're taking that and creating an average. And so whether or not the device is giving you, the temperature sensor or the vibration sensor or whatnot, is giving you an already averaged value, and then you may average that further, you're, begun, you're, you're beginning to become historical. And so to do an average, you have to have history, Mm-hmm. You have to take so many and add them together and divide by the number of samples you have. That's how you do an act, compute an average. And so you have to have history. Just taking a snapshot right now, real-time look at what the vibration is. I didn't give you anything. Well, it's going to be all over the place because vibration is vibration. And so that signal is usually pretty erratic. Temperature is usually, if you look at it right now and you look at it a half second later, heat transfer takes, I mean, physics heat transfer is going to take place as fast as it takes place. And you're probably not going to see, unless you're looking on a very, very minuscule, which means you have a very high resolution thermocoupler or something like that to measure the temperature, you're probably not going to see a huge temperature change because temperature change, I don't know, unless maybe it's a nuclear explosion or something, temperature change doesn't often take place very aggressively. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a slower deal. Mm -hmm. Preheating your oven, you can't make your oven preheat any faster. It's going to take the time it's going to take. It may take longer if the ambient's different or whatever, but the fastest that it's going to do is the fastest it's going to do. And so 
But those are data raw data streams. So I call those indicators. They may not be key performance indicators, but they're indicators in my mind. Carrie, tell me I'm wrong. So Beth, yeah, this, Brandon just described why we created our kit. Okay, okay. Because if I'm in charge of the maintenance machine of the machine, I just rolled my eyes just rolled back into my head with everything he just said. <laughs> I, even though I know that everything he said is really important, all I heard was words, 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 numbers, 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 words. Thank you. <laughs> what I mean, Thank you. What that I mean that was that my that was my goal. That's exactly what I set out to do. <laughs> so now what I mean by that is not that maintenance people aren't capable of being technical enough to understand what he says and is instructing or even that it was part of their education and their training or anything like that. It's just they're not being measured by that. They're me they're being measured by how many work orders had to go out. How much time did it take to repair it? And if I can reduce those things, I don't need the kind of calculations that are being used for return on assets of the machine. Oh. So I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm generalizing and I'm overstating it a bit, but all of the trend lines and all of the baselines that Brandon are talking about is really important for me to know mm -hmm. because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace their part before it fails. And because I have an indicator, I can create my information system so that they don't have to carry as much spare stock for that machine because I know when I know before it's going to fail I need to send out that motor from the manufacturer of the component stock to them so I'm leapfrogging supply chain issues and I'm leapfrogging all kinds of things by using the information system attached to the indicators that Brandon's talking about okay but maintenance wants to reduce their number of work orders and the time it takes to complete those so that it feeds production's thing, performance indicator saying maintenance isn't interfering with production. They're not going to show the baseline of the vibration to prove that. Right. They're going to show <laughs> gotcha. the lagging and leading indicators of what I talked about in our last section. So what I heard Carrie say is, Brandon, you were absolutely right in what you were saying. <laughs> um, but and what, that's how production that's how production walks out of the room. <laughs> but I agree with everything I just said. The uh, the thing the thing that Carrie's kid is doing, and that's the reason I'm excited to hear about it and and to see what he's doing, is he essentially you know our IOTA product is the we could uh, we called it the iPhone of of, of MES MES, mm -hmm. and so getting the data point and click across making it easy. We're taking care of a lot of stuff. In, in the background so that you don't quite have to understand how it's done. Mm -hmm. You don't really want to get bogged down in those details. And Carrie's kit does just that. So with what I'm talking about is that's the how it's done. Now, Carrie's kit does that for you. Oh, nice. And so he's managing all of that stuff with, within the kit because at the end of the day... And Carrie, you've heard me say this before in many of the panels that sometimes you and I both have been on or, or, or been a part of. At the end of the day, it really comes down to a specific goal. And the goal is get product out the door as, as quickly as possible at the highest level of quality safely and for the lowest amount of cost. Mm -hmm. And, 
and that includes when you were going through, Carrie, you were going who in, you, you were talking about who's in charge of making sure the temperature in the refrigerator metaphor uh, is measured correctly, who determines if the light's going off, and who's responsible if somebody leaves the door open, and how maintenance is responsible for availability, production should be pr- responsible for performance, and and also production should be responsible for the quality aspects, and and I'm sure. That most any any of our production engineers that are listening to the podcast are, are agreeing with the performance and the quality, or at least they're going to say, "Well, it's our job to know whether it's right or not." But then they're saying quality, they get quality involved or or something. But they're probably saying, "But we need that you know we still rely on maintenance for all that." And main, the maintenance guys, the maintenance guys that are listening are saying, "No kidding, they come to us for everything, <laughs> for all of that. <laughs> Somehow that's all of our deal." And so that is a bit of that philosophical conflict. But Carrie's kit helps minimize that to a point because he's help. It's helping. It's doing all of that behind the scenes stuff with the current, the vibration, the temperature, those kind of things, the trending and all the stuff that I went on about. And it's it's packaging that up and ultimately it's just giving the answer or or the indication okay. to say this is something that needs to be done. And and then he's able to actually springboard it a step further and say, you know, here's the replacement part. You know Oh nice. Th- th- that kind of thing. Is that right, Carrie? Right. And so I just wanna add you don't have to just take my word for it because we're using an iota that will break down any data used down to the most granular level you can think of. Yes. So if a work order, so what we do is we have these sensors. They take the baselines and the thresholds over time. They will send an alarm whether there's a catastrophic or there's a long-term degradation. And then the IOTA prepares the data and transports it to what's called a CMMS for maintenance. This is maintenance main software application. It's called computerized maintenance management systems. Okay. And it's where they do all their work orders and they track all this stuff. And then it talks to the rest of the enterprise. That's the, that's the maintenance software that I was referring to earlier. Okay. That needs this data. Um, and doesn't necessarily when you say it, it interfaces with the ERP system, but sometimes it doesn't even do have it's according to the ERP system, right? Sure. Yeah, it's 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 based on the overall information system that the company has set up. The what I'm saying is it can't, and we make it easier to do that because the data is in database format because of the IOTA. Amen. All right. I like that. <laughs> Like, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, and therefore. Uh, yeah, and so what, you know, you you can see how when you have these gray areas, like availability, or I'm sure you would have maintenance say, how would you get a quality product out without me? And so we, we spend our time educating people about how these gray areas can be solved by having the right data for anyone who needs to access that. So if you're questioning why is maintenance doing this or that, you can break it down to a very granular level. If you want to report about OEE, you know, and how you're contributing to the production reform performance, well then it's in your software. And it's very em- empowering for not just maintenance departments and not just production departments to have all this data I was, for lack of a better phrase, swimming together 
but it's <laughs> the importance the importance of having the data together is that you can it, it i guess it's just the inside of it to put it shortly I, i'm I was about to just go on too long. So we're kind of we're kind of we kind of need to wrap up. And so I I, I want you to uh, first of all I want to thank you for your insights of your hard work on this, and certainly uh, uh, for your your dedication in using the iota. I'm glad it's working well for you. Of course, you and I have been working together on this as you've developed this kit, and so I'm proud of you. I think you've done a great job. But how do our listeners, if they want to learn more about it, how tell them tell them the best way to do that? Well, the simple way and best way is to reach us through pathway seven that's pathway with an s and the number seven.com you'll be able to reach us there perfect thank you for your time carrie and i hope all is well out in boise with you and your yeah, family thanks for thanks for including me <laughs> thanks Y'all carrie take care. I, yeah i really do appreciate carrie being on with us today beth yes sir episode number seven episode seven is in the books yeah that's right. All right, perfect. Listen, guys, as we get ready for Christmas, stay positive. Wish everybody you meet a Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year because when the New Year comes, it won't be 2020 anymore. Amen. <laughs> and uh, we'll just keep looking forward and staying positive. So thanks for listening. Um, as far as the podcast, Industrial Automation doesn't have to. Walk us through how people can get the word out. Uh, rate review and subscribe rate and review rate and review yeah that's right <laughs> and that's some good tennessee talk for you right there <laughs> guys thank you very much carrie thank you very much for being on with us beth thank you as always and we'll see you on the next one talk to us in the comments uh www.elatech.com is how you can get in touch with us or give us a call 865-409-1555 beth have a great day same to you see ya. 